You are listening to UBC Waco Podcast. <laughs> are you recording? Yeah. Oh, okay. We can use that as just a scratch track for now. Good morning, um, and thank you all again for letting me be up here today. UBC has been my home now for a few years, and I really always enjoy and never take for granted the chance to be up here with y'all. I'm a bit nervous today uh, because of the text. I'm preaching on a topic that, like many preachers who are women, uh, tend to sometimes intentionally avoid because it's preaching about a text where women are the protagonists. Um, And as much as like a millennial that I am, uh, I was still raised with this idea that for uh, male male protagonist stories were for everybody, but stories that had women as the main character were like just for women. and. And I'm still getting over that, apparently, which, my bad. Um, But I know that that has affected my preaching choices, and I know that that's affected my reading choices. And so that's something that y'all see me be a little extra awkward. Just know that's where it's coming from. I also, besides just for her amazing tech help, want to thank Cheryl for preaching on the Good Samaritan last week, because it was an amazing example of how to preach a text that many of us already know and it was an amazing way to give it some new life. And I can only hope to live up to that with this Mary and Martha story. Um, yeah. And I thank her also because one of the questions that I want to ask today is, who are Martha's neighbors and where are they? <laughs> some of y'all already know this. <laughs> One of the reasons that this text, beyond just that it's talking about women, makes me anxious is because of my own history. Uh, this is one of those texts that's been in my mind as long as I can like really remember hearing a calling to Christian ministry, actually. I was baptized the age of 15 um, at Park City's Baptist Church in Dallas. Um, and I was pretty quickly, even though I had lots of other issues going on and I was like in and out of lots of places, um, I when things were good, I was a setter. Back in the early days of the internet, so before like this whole section was born for the most part, um, when like bulletin boards were like listservs and we're talking like 2003 and earlier, um, I was one of those people who was like on theology internet forums back then. Um, I don't recommend it, but I loved it. Um, and this was something I could pour just all of myself into. And pastors would say things like, oh, you'll be a great evangelical scholar. Um, Not preacher, not pastor, but scholar. Um, So I threw myself into those things like Latin and Greek and pursued classical studies. And then when it came time to look at seminary, I was decently biblically literate and I still think this way, just oftentimes scripture kind of pops in my head like, wait, but scripture says this. Um, I found out that a lot of the seminaries that I would have been recommended to don't admit women to their Masters of Divinity programs because of their beliefs about gender roles. And one of my first thoughts then, and it's a thought that I've carried through, um, has been, put wait, Mary sat at Jesus's feet and was allowed to listen and learn. Why can't I even do that? I can leave it to y'all to find the humor in that. I wish that like Twitter had existed then because I feel like that tweet might have gone viral, but uh, it was just a quiet thought that I've never really understood a good answer to, except to tell me that even then I recognized somehow that Mary was a leader being trained by Jesus 
and that I needed to stop trying to fit myself into a box that didn't want me. So yes, my first thoughts understood Mary as a leader and Martha as a leader, sisters in ministry together. Earlier in Luke 10, um, Jesus tells this expanded group of disciples to spread out and go to towns, and if they're welcomed, give their peace, show the power of the kingdom, and then come back. And when they return from this work of active ministry in early Luke 10, Jesus launches into this lesson saying, don't rejoice that the Spirit submits, but rejoice in the kingdom of God. So my paraphrase of this is, don't focus on the results of your ministry, but take time, focus, and center yourself on God. Be a little contemplative. Rest. You've done the active work. But now, let's go to Instagram and follow the nap ministry and do whatever they tell us to do. You guys should all look up the nap ministry. It's great. And after this encounter, this lesson of go, be active, and rest, that action and contemplation can't be separated but are both parts of the same thing, they come to the village of Martha and Mary. And Martha is already a rock star. And I know this, and I know she's really easy to dunk on, but I hope that this can help redeem her a bit. Martha is doing exactly what Jesus told the disciples to look out for. Martha is welcoming presence in the town. In this case, we think the town is Bethany. She welcomes him. She welcomes the disciples. And then she gets about her work. Like a lot of y'all, when I first heard a sermon on this text, um, it was about a domestic squabble between two sisters, um, making it pretty uninteresting. And I was like, why did they include this except for to prove like, oh, look, the women can't do anything. Um, it just was uninteresting to me. But I am glad to learn uh, that that is wrong, that that's not the interpretation that has to happen here. This isn't a domestic squabble. This is a community problem, a leadership instruction, and a lesson for all of the disciples. Martha's work may or may not have involved domestic preparations. I don't want to demean domestic preparations by saying they aren't important. They are. Church doesn't work unless someone bakes the bread, you know? But I think they involved a lot more than that, too. What this text does and uses for this verb of making preparations or doing many tasks um, is the same verb that's used for ministry work. Warren Carter, who in his article, Getting Martha Out of the Kitchen, Luke 10, 38, 42, again, translate this as distracted with much serving. But that means more closely, and I'm going to quote a few things here, um, an activity of going in between kind or acting on the behalf of a person. And I'm going to read this list because he wrote it, and it was one of those lists that I know he wrote hoping somebody would read, um, because it says, examples, delivering messages, performing errands, executing contract killings, as well as priestly and prophetic callings. So if you missed one of those in there, it doesn't fit with the rest, but seems to fit the verb. But in this list, I'm going to go with the latter. She's gathering up the rest of the early church at Bethany. She's a leader and a sharer. It's her house church. She's trying to let everyone know Jesus is here. She's doing all of the heavy lifting, and she's doing it alone. One of my favorite things about Luke's gospel is how much focus there is on shared tasks and on shared leadership. Martha's task is too big for Martha, and I don't think that that's Martha's fault here. Because how many of us have felt the pull of too many things to do? 
too many good and worthy tasks, too many people around us to take care of, too few coworkers left to get our tasks done after somebody quits, too few and too little family around to help. And we just keep going and going, trying to do the best that we can because somebody has to do it, right? And it feels like our name is the only one on the volunteer list that showed up. You can raise your hand in your head or out here if that's something you felt like. If you're not raising your hand either in your head or out here, um, this text has something for you too. To start, I'd recommend you can look around and see who you might wanna help out. But Martha's distraction here, it's human. Martha is the leader who showed up and has too much to do. And as the day goes by, we don't know what everyone's movements are all around, but we see Martha getting this moment to talk to Jesus. Again, the way I first heard this was like awful. This was first introduced to me as like mean old Martha standing in a doorway with her hands on her hips, like interrupting Jesus while he's teaching people being like, Jesus, why don't you get my sister Mary to come on over here and help? Like it was some sort of attempt to shame her in public. Well, her proudly submissive sister sat and listened. The text doesn't say that. It doesn't say that at all. It takes a lot of our like negative societal thoughts about women to create that image. By the time that Martha comes to Jesus to speak, we have no idea where Mary is. She might be out healing. She might be doing other ministry work. She might be taking a nap that she really needed to take. She might be preparing to travel with the rest of the disciples. Who knows? Mary is off doing whatever her gifts and Jesus have called her to do. There's this book called The New Perspective on Mary and Martha. Don't preach Mary and Martha again until you read this by uh, Mary Strammer Hansen. And I'll admit that I've only skimmed it. Uh, but, but she writes a lot and she writes a lot of great things. I'll go back and read it. But um, she writes this thing. Women are pressure cooked to prefer, quote, the higher things, but at the same time be the hostess with the mostest without breaking a sweat. And when, when, when blah, 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 a woman fails at this superhuman task, she feels less than. This interpretation where we say maybe she only dealt with leadership, denigrates the traditional work of women and the so-called nurturing natures in favor of more masculine qualities of learning in the mind. Readers may conclude that their ways of serving and their strongest gifts are not desirable. They feel that they have to give up their lesser talents, which are essential to the ministry of the kingdom. And consequently, many women in the church who even now tend to identify with Martha feel that they are less valuable, even worthless. And again, you don't have to be a woman to be a Martha, whether you are male or non-binary or anywhere on the gender spectrum, especially all the Enneagram twos. The fact that Mary and Martha are women doesn't exclude you from identifying here. Martha doesn't want to do this all by herself. It's another credit to her leadership. She wants a community. She wants her partner's input and influence. Martha is asking Jesus for help. This is a prayer as much as it is a conversation. And the prayer's answer has always been the hard part. We've all heard it as a rebuke. Doesn't say it's a rebuke, but we've all heard it that way. 
but we forget the scene. And I'm gonna take some creative license because uh, one, the way that we've already often heard this with Martha in the doorway uh, is pretty awful. Um, and so this still keeps with the biblical image and lines that we know, but provides a potential for corrective. I am not saying that this image I'm about to give you guys is the exact one, wasn't there, wish I were. I'd love to see the disciples do some dishes, but this is just prophetic imagination, if y'all will grant me that. Given how Jesus acts in other stories, I do have in my mind the image of him riding in the dirt, forcing those ready to storm, stone a woman to be quiet, to focus on Jesus, and then to change their tune. So I have that image kind of in the back of my head. So what if Martha comes to Jesus standing in a moderately busy place? Maybe it's her home, maybe it's a courtyard. It's not so busy that you can't have like private words, but it's not so empty that if you raise your voice a little bit that everybody won't like turn and look. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So what if Martha, our house church co-leader with Mary, is overwhelmed and asking Jesus for help and finding her co-laborer because Mary isn't even there? And what if Jesus puts his hand on her arm, on her shoulder, and says her name loudly and sweetly? Oh, Martha, Martha. And he's also looking around at everybody else doing that teacher shame, grab your attention thing, bringing their attention to Martha as well. And he says, you are worried and upset about many things. And different disciples who are like, oh, they slowly back out of the space to go do all of those tasks they had left alone to Martha. They resume that shared burden of ministry and community. Jesus does have to repeat himself when it comes to the disciples. This is really common. A few things are needed. And the rest of the disciples are like, oh, and they quietly go off to help. And Jesus leads Martha to a chair to sit down, to get it and to go off or sit down privately. There's only one thing you need to do now. Martha can take a breath. She can rest knowing that she's not alone and that she got help. When the worry goes away, when the peace that comes in community working together returns, Jesus finally answers Martha's question about where Mary is. She has chosen what's better, what's better for her, what's better for the community, what's better for her gifts, what's better for keeping her peace even when others don't show up and she won't lose it. Because now that everybody's working, this isn't a zero-sum game. Martha gets this peace now. Mary gets to keep her peace. Everybody is doing their part. I asked this question at the beginning. Who is Martha's neighbor? Because if you asked Martha at the beginning of this story, I think her answer would have been no one. It's easy to see that beaten up stranger as a person who needs a neighbor. It's less easy to see Martha in need, maybe because of her gender, maybe because she's already in leadership, maybe for reasons the text doesn't mention at all. But this time it takes Martha asking Jesus for help, for us to see Martha as a neighbor, not as an over-functioning nag, but a neighbor, our co-laborer, 
a leader deserving of rest as every other person. What if Jesus's answer isn't a rebuke, but an offer of help and of rest so that Martha too can experience peace? And it again, isn't some zero sum game between the two, but a restoration to a sustainable level of work and life that doesn't mean peace has to be taken from either one. I wish I was there to see the story, to know what really happened. I wish I could see Jesus minister to women leaders more. I don't know if this little imaginative version is exactly what happened, though it seems far more likely to me that that might be why it's included in our text than Jesus rebuking somebody for following hospitality customs. So at the end of this, I'm stuck with only the following. First, this text is an invitation to see women in leadership in the early church. And second, it wants you to continue to expand on who is your neighbor. And third, for all of the Marthas of every gender in this room, it's an invitation to rest and return to the source. When Jesus sent the disciples out, he turns their focus to God, the source, when they return. And I like to imagine that he gave Martha the same blessing that he gave the returning disciples, the same blessing that he gives each of us as we minister, because we all do. Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings wanted to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Amen.